Christ, who Christ has drawn to, to themselves. And um, you kind of think, well, maybe it's not going to happen. And then you see a number of events happen in the people's lives. And, and then you can see the bigger picture, the bigger picture of what God is doing in their lives as, he, as He's drawing them closer to Himself. Um, uh, I, I used to work as a pastor at Cleveland Baptist Church. And um, the one evening... We had an evening, so I preached in the morning, and then I was preaching in the evening. And a big youth contingent, I would say 280, somewhere around there. And um, we started singing, and one by one, about five kids came down the front, hearts just broken, absolutely crying, crying out to God, confessing sin. We had done nothing. God had been working on their heart all the time. And and there was just this this air of expectancy that was happening within the lives of these young people that were, that, that were there, that were, 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 were coming to meet with Christ. And so then I'm sitting right in front, and I know what I've prepared, and I just threw it out. I thought, this is useless. <laughs> God, you speak now. And I got up, and I started to speak about, about, about myself um, and uh, how God had, had so impacted me. Um, I, was, I was in the police force for four years in South Africa from when I was 18 um, until about uh, 22. And, um, and, and I spoke a bit about the death and destruction and the mayhem, but I also spoke about just the kindness that God had shown, not only to me, but the people that were, were with me. And unbeknownst to me, a guy in the audience, uh, in, in the congregation, um, um, Paul, he... Uh, Big guy, massive, massive Irish guy. Um, he was in the, uh, the, the, the police that fought the IRA. And so he had a lot of similar uh, battles that I had. And um, I, I never forget this, even coming down and just tears. Or just God is, was doing something in his heart at that time. And we sat and we prayed together. And, 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 and God was bringing him on a journey of, of, of realizing his need for God, of realizing that, 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 that God is so far greater than, than us just gathering and, and being part of a church together. But, but he, he longs for a personal relationship with each one of us. And so Paul, I, I was able to see the journey that he was on. And then, then I didn't see Paul for a while. His, his daughter was in our church, lovely girl. Um, don't you love the Irish accent? It's got a beautiful, I don't know, almost like a melodic ring to it. And so this girl, I saw her and I asked her about her dad. And, and she, was so, she was so taken that her dad had, had opened his heart um, and, and wanted to be touched by, by, by God. And, and then it just, you know, it just kind of died. And then two, three years ago, I uh, went to this guy. He's a physiotherapist. And he was treating me. And there was something different about him. Apparently, he had gone to a different church. He had heard a message. God had broken into his life and changed him. And not only him, but his wife as well. And then I met up with Paul, and yeah, he's treating me. And just this joy that is just bubbling in his heart. And, you know, so, so to be able to see the broken Paul and then the healed Paul, the, the, the Paul that was, that was almost fighting God and then the, the Paul that was seeking after God. Another, another man as well, we ran Christianity Explained course, and um, this young girl, um, Imogen, uh, got it broken into her life as well, and um, 
she longed for God to break into her parents' life, and she'd been praying and praying and praying and praying. So she thought, why don't I bring my dad to a, a, a Christianity Explain course, and, and he could hear what's going on. So he was in my group, and we struck up a great friendship. And at the end of the course, it was, yeah, that's great. Intellectually, I understand that kind of thing. But yeah, just kind of, there's still nothing that resonates really in the heart. It's words, and I understand, and I understand all. So we met for oh, six months or so, and um, I would drive up from Brisbane to Nudgee, and he'd be working there, and we'd sit down and have lunch together and read Scripture and pray, and, and I could see God, you know, he's wrestling with all of this, and I could see God doing something. Then he did Christianity Explained a second time, but he brought his wife as well because he said, I, I don't want to go on this journey without my wife. I love her. She came along, and God just broke into her life straight away, just... Boom, and then both of them, and they got baptized last year. And, and to see lives being changed by God drawing near to these people who had a longing in their heart for, 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 for closeness with God is so incredible. So as we look at the concept of, of drawing near to Jesus, we need to impress upon a few truths that we've covered already. But I want to remind you, as we endeavor to draw near to Jesus, we must understand that he is the Holy Son of God. He's not a mate. He's not a, he's not a buddy. He's not a, a person that we can, we can just have a conversation with and then just duck and do what we want and say, okay, Jesus got my back. That's, that's going to be okay. He, he's not that kind of person. He's so wholly other than what we are. We, on the other hand, are full of sin. We, on the other hand, are, 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 are rebellious in nature. Our, our very birthright is sinful. If we, if we think of it, and we think back in Adam of, 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 of the, the depths of depravity that he went to, that, that we now um, take hold of, that's part of our, our, our humanity, everything we do, every thought, every desire, every purpose is for self. If you sit back and you analyze yourself, you'll, you don't have to sit for long before you actually need to have people around you because you can't sit with yourself because you're reminded of your sin. Because if, 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 if you love the Lord, he will impress upon you that you're a sinner. But he'll also impress upon you that he is the Savior. He's the one that's come to save you. He's the one that stretched his arms open wide to, to embrace you, embrace you in love. I liken um, this whole sin thing that we've got to a surgeon. Now imagine, do, do you guys, I saw up on there, somebody likes the good doctor? Um, who's, uh, okay, I won't, I won't ask you to put up here. <laughs> okay. okay, the good doctor. It's, it's a, a show we like to watch and, and you see these guys, medical procedures and um, what they do is they, you know, they scrub up and then they put on new stuff and they've got new implements. And Now imagine a surgeon, he's the best in his field, absolute best in his field. There's nobody else in all of uh, Australia that's as good as this guy. And he goes and he operates on somebody. Then he goes into the next operating theater and he operates on the next person. Then he goes to the next one. What's missing? What is missing from all of this? He's not, he's not clean. He's not washed. He's, not, he's taking filth. He's taking disease. He's taking whatever that person had wrong with them, the infection, and he's spreading it. And so his, his intention is to heal, but what he's doing, he's, he's destroying. Everything he touches will die. 
That's the same as us with Christ. If he's in our hearts and minds and lives, life is brought to people. When you speak about, about Christ, um, people hear life. And they hear that, that, that Christ wants to heal. He wants to. But if you don't have Christ, you're spreading disease. You're spreading um, uh, sin. That's what you're spreading. It infects absolutely everyone and everything you touch. Only once he is able to get into the habit of getting rid of the soil clothes, changing his implements, scrubbing up his hands until they are clean, can he change the outcome of the patients dying. Just think for a moment. You're in a church. Christ has not broken into your life. You be around people and, and you enjoy it because they're fun. They play board games and they, they do all funny stuff and they sing together and they eat marshmallows and, oh man, this is great. I don't even have to pay a membership fee. <laughs> but nothing changes within. Sin still reigns in your heart and mind and in your life. And, and you're great, yeah, and, and, and you've got this big smile on your face and, and you're interacting and people think, man, wow. This this guy, what a Christian, beautiful person. But there's death and destruction in your heart. So if you think of it, if that's what the surgeon must do in the physical, what must we do in the spiritual and the physical? What must happen for, 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 for that change of heart, change of life, change of mind? What must happen so that we can actually um, have that communion with God, that there's not a wall of sin between us, that there is intimacy, where, where there's a deep knowing. In, in Scripture, in the Old Testament, it talks about um, a David knew his wife. That means there was an intimacy. When you married, there's an intimacy that you long for when you're single. And when you get married, it's like, this is my half that God has given me. And we are complete because we're together before God. Well, I want you to um, turn to a very, very well-known book. It's it's one of the books that that, that I just love. And I can't stop reading it because it speaks about me. And it speaks about my sinfulness. but, But then it also talks about what I should do. And that's the book of James. James chapter 4, verses 6 to 10. And James is, 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 is an incredible guy because he, he's the half-brother of Jesus. And um, you read in, 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 in the, uh, the Gospels that um, at times Jesus was, was talking to people and he was healing people and his family were outside. They thought he was mental. They thought there was something wrong with him. Um, Jesus, your, your family's outside. They're yet to take you. They, they want to lock you away. You know, you, there's something wrong there. And yes, James, part of that crew. Who the heck does this guy think he is? He's my brother. I know where he comes from. I know everything he's done. How is it that he can attract such a crowd? James didn't get it until the crucifixion of Christ. He didn't really get it until the resurrection of Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, he looked at him and he thought, this is the Savior, the long-awaited Savior that is going to save us from our sin." Here he is before us. He's my half-brother. Wow, I'm related to him. And James, 
has this fire in his belly for the case of Christ. Right in the beginning, he starts off and says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. A servant, no less. No, this is no longer my brother. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one who died for my sin. This is the one who was punished for my sin. This is the one whom I owe all devotion to. So James starts that, and he gets so practical, and then we get to chapter 4. And let's read from verse 1. James chapter 4 from verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you, uh, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is uh, to no purpose that the scriptures say he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before God, uh, before the Lord and he will exalt you. Let's pray. And ask God's blessing over this, this uh, word. Lord Jesus, as we are so confronted by our humanity and our carnality and the sinfulness and rebellion that's deep within our hearts, Lord, we look to you for the answer. And, and here in the book of James, you give us real practical things that we are, 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 are to do as we draw close to you. Lord, I know that... <sighs> that our sin is always before us and that Satan loves to remind us of our sin. But also we know, Lord Jesus, that sin that is forgiven is forgotten. So, Lord Jesus, would you work in our hearts right now as we unpack this passage and um, learn to draw near to you through faith that you've given us. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. The book of James is so practical for our everyday lives. In James 4, 6 to 10, Jesus, uh, James speaks directly to our sinful state. He is so, he, he doesn't pull punches. It's like being in the, in the ring with a boxer and you're supposed to be sparring and, and just touching, but this person is absolutely smashing your face. That's James. He doesn't pull punches. Not at all. And that's what we need. If we are to, to, to go on and, 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 and to embrace Jesus Christ, we need to be told the facts. Not half stories, not half truths, the facts. And James lays them out. If you want to draw near to God, 
Listen up. Number one, understand this truth. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We've, we've just dealt with it in the session before, that, that proud people will not see God. Proud people are, are, are self-subsistent. They, 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 they live for themselves. They are so jealous over what they have, and they don't care about anybody else. A proud, arrogant person does not want anything to do with God. You look at the, the so-called atheists around. There is no God. It's your imagination. We were listening to Ravi Zacharias last night, and, and um, uh, they were, uh, Richard Dawkins was saying, um, well, uh, you know, you, you Christians are so frivolous. You, you don't even know the full um, uh, names of, 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 of the books in the Bible. So this uh, one pastor turned to him and he said, um, can you name the full uh, title of the uh, origin of species it's, it's a long title and he's like yes it's origin um uh, uh, oh god what is it he says even an atheist has to call on god to re- get his memory going self-sufficient i did it my way on the opposite end of the spectrum god gives grace to the humble only by the grace of god are we able to draw near to god if if god doesn't give us grace if he doesn't afford us grace, we are not able to do this. If you think that you're doing it on your own merits, I'm sorry. You are far, far deluded from where the truth is. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, we are Christ's workmanship. We are his workmanship. He is working within us. And what does he do? He prepares good works ahead of us so that we can walk in them, so that we can actually take on those truths and we can, we can, we can walk in them and so we can please God. God gives grace to the humble. Psalm 51 is key to this point. Verse 3, for I know that my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. God, I'm unable to deal with the sin. Only you can do that. The cry of David's heart Psalm 51 is something that, that, that we need to memorize because that is us to a very T. Our sin is always before us. You've got to say, I, I submit to your rule in my life. God is gracious and kind, abounding in love and forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I've tried every other means possible. Have, have you been there? every other means possible. None brings forgiveness of sin except for Christ Jesus. Nothing but Jesus will do. Verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit to his word. Submit yourselves to be purged of sin. That word purge, we don't hear it anymore. It's, 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 just think of taking a massive blowtorch to your heart. And burning each and every last bit of sin out. Purging it. Getting rid of the dross, the, 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 the rubbish that's in your heart. Purge me. Submit to him. Then he goes on and says, resist the devil. But first, you need to submit. So what do we do when we draw near to God? We submit. Lord, I submit to your commandments. I submit to your law. I submit to your statutes. If you have spoken them, I will submit. I don't care what they are. 
It doesn't matter how much it hurts me. But if I don't submit, then I don't have a relationship with you. So once we've submitted, we're able to resist the devil. And when we do resist the devil because of what God has done, he flees because he's got no permission to be there. But if you don't first submit to God, Satan won't flee. You've heard the people speak in church. But I come to church every week. And I go to, I go to Bible study. And I pray. But God's not turning up. What's your heart like? What is your heart like? Is there a submissive heart there? As you draw near to, to, to Christ, is there a submissive heart there? The king of your life has to be Jesus, or it will be Satan. There is no middle ground. Forget middle ground. Middle ground does not exist. It's one or the other. We can't be on the fence. Verse 8 of James, of chapter 4, says, Draw near to God. Be humble. Submit. Be obedient to God. Don't think that anything else will do. And he will draw near to you. By being humble, by that submissive heart, by being obedient to his word, he will draw near to you because he sees an incredible person in front of him that wants to absolutely give everything for the life of Christ. Put everything under the submission to Jesus. James goes on and he says, Cleanse you ha- your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Just like that surgeon. You've got to do the work. You've got to do the cleansing. You've got to be, be before God and you've got to submit to him and you've got to say, Lord, would you forgive me for such and such? Not I'm sorry. I'm sorry says I'm sorry I got caught. Will you forgive me speaks of deep sorrow. As we come before God, Lord, I'm, sorrow, I'm sorrowful about my sin. Would you clean my hands? Would you purify my heart? Will you change my mind so that it's not double-minded, so that I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking of other things, but I'm thinking of you, and you change my, my mind? Just like Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you will know what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The will of God, not the will of Bruce. Not sinful. Confess your sin before God. He will cleanse you. His spirit will purify your heart. And that's called sanctification. Sanctification is, is the walking in the spirit, moment by moment, day by day. As we, as we take the step towards God, and, and, and we are obedient and we are submissive, then he's able to work in our hearts. He's able to, to cleanse us from our sin. And he's able to keep us clean. Being made holy moment by moment. And I know that you're thinking, me holy? <laughs> Never. How is that possible? I'm so, I'm so covered in sin. I'm surrounded by sin. How is that possible? When, when, when Christ breaks into your life and into your heart and you say, yes, Lord, 
He's able to, through His Holy Spirit, give you a conscience that is pure, that is clean, that, that filters out all other rubbish. And He's able to speak to you. And you can hear Him. Growing up, my parents were very, very... Um, morals and principles were drummed into us. I can, I can still almost hear them talking about it. So it got to a point where I would be wanting to do something and I'd hear my mum or dad's voice and I know I shouldn't be doing it and I'd step away. In the same way, that's how we must hear the Holy Spirit. That as, we, as, as our feet carry us and, and our will carries us and our desire carry us towards sin, that the Holy Spirit steps in and says, Bruce, no. Stop in your tracks. Turn around. Run. Get out of there. Get away from sin. Be made holy. Walk in holiness. Do you feel like you're in two minds sometimes? This is what I want to do. This is what what, what I'm passionate about. But I know this is what I should do. And you're kind of caught in no man's land sometimes. Well, Jesus wants to take that away. He wants to give you his mind, his thoughts, his thought pattern, so that 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 decision is so much easier, so that you can actually walk the way that he wants you to walk. Our old nature longs to dominate us. But if we are new creation, created in Christ for good works, we must feed the new and starve the old. Feed the new and starve the old. Get away from those places that will suck you into sin. Get away from those people that will tempt you into sin. Philippians 2 verse 5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Wow, God himself, not considering to be a holy person, but but wanted to identify with us so much that he died for us. Have the mind of Christ. Be obedient to him. You belong to him. Live for him. Your very passions, dedicate them to who Christ is. Verse 9 says, mourn your sinfulness. Today, we, we don't give much thought to mourning. We love to celebrate. We love a good party. We love to be jumping on the tables and dancing around. And when last did we really get serious about our sin and mourn it? And really come before the Lord and cry and, 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 and be cut to the heart and say, Lord, I am sorry. Would you forgive me? Be sorry for your sin that separates you from God. Remorseful, sorrowful, to the point of of, of almost collapse. And verse 10 says, here we have the key once again. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. What comes before and what comes after is humility. Humility. God longs to look at your heart and see humility 
in your heart, in your life, in your mind as you deal with people. Humility. Not thinking of yourself as, as I'm a Christian and you're not. Well, you know, I've got it. I've, I've got my golden ticket and, and, and I'm going to heaven and you're not. And, and, and no. How can I, how can I so uh, uh, get the scales off of your eyes so you can see Jesus for the first time? How can I so introduce you to, to God that he will draw you to himself and that you will want to go to Christ? How can I do it? Please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is such an incredible book. Oh, just amazing. Verses 19 to 22. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have um, confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean uh, from uh, um, an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In the Old Testament times, they had a, a massive temple that they would enter. And only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. That's the only person. Not so today. Not so today. We don't need a pope. We don't need a priest. We don't need a pastor. We have got access straight into the very heart of God. Understand that we have confidence to enter the most holy place. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. We are able to enter. We are able to draw near. Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of that incredible sacrifice that Jesus made of himself for you and for me. For our sin. Once for all time. How? By a new and living way. Open for us through the curtain. Christ's body was opened for you and for me. And that broke the curtain. The curtain was torn from top to bottom. No longer would God and man be separated by a building, by a curtain, by a person. No, Jesus Christ is that person. We have one way and that's through Christ himself. If we don't go that way, we don't see God. End of story. It's a new and living way. The old was cold, it was, it was stone, it was, it was um, rituals, it was, it was, let me do this and do that and, and say these words. And No, now it's, I get on my knees and I say, Jesus, would you please forgive me? A new and living way. Christ's blood has been sprinkled on my heart. I've been set free from my sin. Wow, what else can hinder me? Nothing, nothing. Let us. Draw near with sincere hearts. So it's saying, now, now you've been cleaned, now let's draw near. Let's come to Christ. Let's understand what he wants from us, what his desire is for us. Sincere hearts. Hearts that are open to change. How? Through the assurance of faith. 
God gives us the very faith that we are able to believe in Him. If He doesn't give us that faith, we will not be able to believe in Him. And we are sure of that faith because Christ has given it to us. And there's a cleansing that happens. Hearts sprinkled clean. Body washed. Wow. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Can you see that we're only able to draw close to God once the above has been done? Once these things we've been talking about. Clean hands, clean heart, um, single-minded. We are able to draw near to Him. It is not our work. It's not our faith. It's not even our confidence. What confidence do we have in this flesh? There is nothing in this flesh that we can be confident of. Nothing. Our very good works is given to us by Christ himself. It's all of Christ Jesus. And look at him in the eye. And see the love that he bore for me on Calvary. Look in his eyes. Do you know when you look at somebody in the eye? That's when you really get a connection with that person. Those who, who, who are married, which is the majority, you know when you met your, 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 your better half and, and, and you kind of, you know, she smiled at you or he smiled at you and, and, and you just melted. You know, you're just like, I... I, I, I um, Reminds me of wet toilet paper. You know, toilet paper's great, but as soon as you put water on it, it just goes to nothing. That's, you just melt, you know? That's what I'm going to do before Jesus. I'm going to absolutely melt. Because the love of my life is going to be before me. The one who's, who saved my soul is going to be right in front of me. Now I've got no confidence within myself. Nothing. It's all of me. All of Jesus.
can talk about who you are and how much you've changed our lives. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you that as we are able to just to be serious about our lives before you, Thank you for exposing who we truly are so that you all still can do good work in us. Lord, thank you for this getaway that we can come to this camp and, and, and we can be together as brothers and sisters and, and enjoy each other's company and, and, and praise you and glorify your name. But Lord Jesus, would you do your work through your Holy Spirit in our hearts right now? the scalpel of your Holy Spirit and cut away the evil that is in our hearts.